Thanks for checking out this episode of Business Black Belts. I really appreciate you listening and hope you get some great insights out of today's leader. Let's dive into the show. Welcome to Business Black Belts. I'm Dave Golding. I am here with Sean Peterson, founder and CEO of Quantum Business Solutions. How are you today, Sean? Hey, I'm doing great. Really appreciate you having me on. I've been looking forward to this for a couple of weeks. Excited to be here. Yeah, excited to have you here. It's um, We're in uh, similar businesses, so that's always fun to be able to talk to somebody who is out there uh, fighting the good fight and, and uh, trying to help organizations get better with their, um, you know, sales organization and the process and, and, you know, grow the business. But before we get to that, let's just uh, talk a little bit about you and, and uh, you know, what Quantum Business Solutions does. Yeah, absolutely. So what Quantum Business Solutions does is we help systemize, optimize, and automate people, processes, and technology around RevGen. People oftentimes will say, well, what exactly does that mean? Really, we look at the entire cycle of revenue generation. So there's five key components in the quantum growth model. They are target, attract, nurture, convert, and wow your dream clients. And so we break that down into a process that's on a flywheel. And then we want to help them baseline their KPIs. And essentially, we're looking at uh, ways to increase and, and improve conversion ratios throughout that entire RevGen cycle. And then we've got other solutions where we're able to bring in either sales automation and artificial intelligence softwares and, and organizations we partnered with. And then we've got a human aspect as a Grant Cardone licensee, the world's you know number one sales trainer. So whether it's people or processes or technology, we're just looking to improve those ratios. Nice. Yeah, I can't wait to dig into that some more. Um, but let's just kind of start at the beginning. So how did you get your start? You know, we talk a lot about... Uh, you know, this is business black belts, right? So talk to us about when you were a white belt. Oh man, I think I probably was below that to start. Uh, <laughs> you know, so so I grew up and had fairly young parents. And so it was always one of those situations where if you wanted something, you had to go out and you had to work for it and, you know, had to earn that. And so starting clear back as a kid, I remember being 11, 12 years old, I'd be tearing off roofs. And so I had several jobs, you know, working there. And, and that really began this uh, concept of, you know, what did I want to do when I got older? And I knew at a pretty young age that I wanted to be in business. I think my first time leading people, I was about 20 years old. I had 40 to 50 people that uh, I supported in a call center environment. And then as I continued to evolve, some of the key inflection points that would lead us here today that matter are, I actually, and you know what, I want to, I want to point out one thing is, Several times in my career, I've taken steps back or passed on more money to stay on something that kept me in alignment with my path. And so I was managing that group in a call center, wasn't making a ton of money, but actually stepped back, went to a, a large financial institution, ended up with an internship in profitability and risk. So data analytics, right? And this was back around 2009, Credit Card Act. And what our role was in the organization was to take historical data, put those baselines in place, and then try to create uh, model products for the organization. So if somebody's FICO band would change, what would that do to, uh, you know, the, let's say the, the roll off, or would they have more late payments? What would their credit line be? That's the first time I got a taste of data analytics. And back in 2009, I didn't have any idea 
um, what that would mean for the world. I guess I didn't have enough foresight, but I knew I always wanted to be a CEO. And that gave me an opportunity when we talk about being around great people that help you develop. I got an opportunity to be in the C-suite for those meetings during that internship as just a 22-year-old kid. So seeing uh, a billion and a half dollar company operating at the highest level was really cool. Then I ended up um, ultimately getting into sales in the office technology world. We'd went through a few leaders in my couple of years as a copier sales rep, and I got my first opportunity to become a, a VP of sales. And how that happened, David, is actually really interesting. But I created my own business plan, my own pay plan, went and presented it uh, to the owner of that organization and ended up getting a shot at it. And so didn't know how long I would last there, but uh, this was another time where actually I made more money as a sales rep than I did as a VP of sales. And at that, and that kind of that inflection point there, I'd had a chance to also go into med device where I probably could have made 50 to 75 grand a year more. And I took the VP of sales role in that role, started creating, you know, SDR teams for the first time and had to fail a few times to get some of that figured out, started creating this concept of what I would call data, you know, and marketing and sales and client success. Um, ultimately ended up being able to build a business analytics platform in there. And we're kind of one of the first in the industry that had the chance to do that. And then I had a sales company on the side uh, doing sales training and coaching. And, and so that was my first taste into that. I was just in love with uh, the Grant Cardone content and material and, and what that could do for people when they really trained every day, knew what they were doing, started writing down our goals. And then I'll speed it up here a little bit, but that led me to end up being the CEO of a company. I started putting some of the processes more in play that I'd been developing with like ideas like Aaron Ross's predictable revenue. And then after I thought I had a really good process in place, I started to learn about the technology and that's when my mind was blown. I just couldn't even believe this stuff was possible. And so I started thinking of all the problems I had ever had as a sales leader, hiring great people, trying to train them, trying to develop them, get them in front of more meetings, closing, trying to coach them on what was said in a meeting, building the list, getting the mobile phone numbers, like all these things. And I'm like, there's actually tools that are starting to be created that can legitimately do this stuff. And so when uh, Quantum was founded, it was really founded with the idea of, I knew how to now solve a problem that the 31 million businesses in America all have, which is if they're growing really fast, they're still gonna run out of potential staff and people on their team. And so they're gonna need things like sales automation, AI, better processes. And then if they're struggling to grow, they need efficiency too. And so the beauty of what we do is if the economy would go the wrong direction, we probably actually are more valuable. And if it keeps going strong, people are still short on people and efficiency. And so it still continues to be you know, thriving. And so um, that gets us to where we're at today, where we've essentially operated as a chief revenue officer, look at those conversion ratios, teamed up with some of the world's cutting edge and world-class sales technologies like HubSpot, uh, Connect and Sell, Connected, Digideck, et cetera. And now we're kind of sitting here today with you. So hopefully that gave you a good rundown of, how each part of my life really led me to where I'm at right now. It really does. You did a great job of, um, I think, taking me through and, and uh, our listeners through that journey and what was important about it. And I think you said some really important things. The first thing was you started out young, right? So you got that sense of uh, work ethic, but then you also had this um, 
you knew that you wanted to be in business, which I think is really cool because I had no idea um, about what I wanted to do. And then, um, you know, the fact that you, it sounds like you have what a lot of successful people I talk to have, which is just this innate desire to learn, to become better, to improve, um, you know, that curiosity I think is so important. Um, and, what, what I'd like to talk about is um, this data analysis aspect of, you know, what you learned and, and, you know, what you're doing. I think that's incredibly compelling um, because that is a really important aspect that I see we have as humans and in this, in this day and age that we're in now, um, sometimes I feel like we get overly enamored with tools and we buy tools, but then we don't execute with them and most importantly, extract the value that we've invested. So can you talk about, you know, how you do that and, and how you use that data? Because I think that is a piece that a lot of people are missing right now. Yeah. You know, you hit on a perfect point, which is one of the things we're always working on is how do we streamline our messaging to be clear? Because when we meet with prospects, sometimes they, Always, well, almost always, they're really interested in what we do, like 98% of the time. Where there's a little friction occasionally is that sounds over <clears throat> overwhelming and scary. How am I going to do that? That's where the baseline of the KPIs comes in place. And then we're here as a support system to walk them through the journey and take out all that white space, as I call it, the learning steps, that so they don't have to. And I always kind of joke, um, we like to fall and hit, you know, our face on the concrete a little bit before our clients. So they don't have to do that. So we make a lot of the mistakes as crazy as that sounds like we kind of know what they're going to go through because we've literally done it in our own business. What's interesting about what we do is we are selling what we use, right? And so a lot of organizations, like if I'm selling plumbing parts, I mean, yeah, maybe 20 years ago when I built my home, I used those plumbing parts, but I'm not using them on a daily basis. We're literally using the tools and the processes that we bring to our clients. So we see the gaps before they would ever see the gaps and, and try to close those up and, and whether it's a technology piece or not. Um, but the reason the data is important is if we can just get the data down, the KPIs, even at an elementary level, now we can start to attack the conversion ratio. So let's just say that, you know, we're calling, a, a, we're making a thousand calls, but we're only getting 30 conversations. Then I can start seeing where well, we calling mobile phone numbers. Oh my gosh, we haven't been calling mobile phone numbers. So A, we could be going faster for calling mobiles and getting a higher connect rate. So now maybe we could do 1500 calls and instead of at 3%, what if we were at 4%? So now we just doubled the connections. Okay, well now we got connections. How many of those are actually booking the meeting? And let's say before it was 50%. So we we're going to get 15. What if we can take those to 60%? So now we're up to 36. So now we're at two and a half times, essentially the opportunities. And then we just keep driving through how many become a qualified opportunity. Well, as we identify those, then it becomes that actionable item. Like if you're familiar with EOS or traction, right? Now you can have your rock for the quarter. Okay. This quarter, we're going to work on creating better list so that the calls we're making are more productive. This quarter, we're going to work on training every single morning on the script for the greeting so that we can get more meetings. We don't need to work on closing yet because we don't even get enough chances to close. Now you just took that data at a real basic level 
and you made it actionable. And that could literally be done on a spreadsheet as long as you can find the data points. The other key piece that comes is I already know most organizations aren't going to have all the data points. What it does, though, is it gets them thinking about why don't I know how many emails we sent last month? Why don't I know the open rate? Why don't I know how many meetings we booked? I should figure that out. So they don't always know, but now they're on a journey to to try to go learn those answers. And that alone, just that mindset shift can be so valuable to the business. So because we could get into data analytics and, you know, the cube of data, but that's complicated for the average listener. Start with a spreadsheet of all your things in data. You know, how many people are you following? How many mobile numbers do you have in your CRM? Like real basic stuff. How many emails did you send? That's kind of that attract, right? Get into the marketing and just run it through. Do it on a spreadsheet. Then worry about dashboards and data cubes and all that stuff later. You probably aren't even at a point where that would even mean anything to you. I like that. Um, Especially it sounds like, yeah, the streamlining in the iterative process of just starting Let's see where you're at and let's, and, and you used a word that I think is really important, journey, right? Yeah. Um, and you also said something too, which is very much like what we do here, which we use everything that we sell, right? So we're constantly getting better at it and, and improving it, but also like you said, falling flat on our face, right? Making mistakes. Um, and that is really fun uh, because I think it makes our job I don't know, maybe it's just more interesting or more compelling in the sense that, you know, we've been there. Um, But I think the other thing that I I hear you saying um, that I want to talk about is that, you know, sales and revenue generation, um, you know, this aspect of business, everybody has it, right? Everybody has to, I mean, you know, I always say, yeah, if somebody's getting paid, somebody's selling something, right? Um, and I'm always surprised by uh, how much organizations struggle with it. And I think that's because they don't have outside eyes that have um, that, that know better or know different that can come in and ask good questions and kind of look at the indicators and help them move the ball forward. Yeah. Well, you know, one of the things we talked about offline before we hopped on here is I always say our number one competition, well, really two, but the number one competition is them staying status quo. Yeah. Number one reason they stay status quo is something you said offline, which is, you know, you've done a bunch of Legion in the past and you never got any results, right? These guys have all hired a sales manager. They've hired a sales rep and paid them a big salary that didn't work out. They've bought some new software that didn't work out. They've bought they've had a telemarketing company they've all done these things and had it not work out okay the difference between us and everybody else in my opinion is this we want to baseline your kpis from the very beginning and we want to show our roi we go month to month for this reason uh the book they ask you answer take away all the friction from the process and then uh, there's another book the hundred million dollar offer you know by alex Uh, Hermosi, with having a guarantee. The reason we do this is we never want someone to get to the end of a contract and say, you know what? I spent a hundred thousand dollars with those guys and I don't know what I got. Mm. And this, this is, this is uh, so huge. So if you look at marketing agencies, they oftentimes will run from any accountability to the results. And they want to say things like, you're never going to be able to track everything. Well, actually in today's day and age, you might not be able to track everything, but if you average QR codes, 
HubSpot to know which ads got clicked, how they came in. There's a lot of things you can track, right? What they don't do is they don't want to learn or, or go down the journey of the complicated thing of selling the customer on what's really right for them. And so that's where, you know, when, when we talk about that difference in tracking the numbers, tracking the ROI, I think that's unique because most companies in this space really aren't doing a great job of making the customer do that. And then the customer doesn't know what they're getting and they don't know the return or the results. And then that's where, you know, you as an outsourced agency are going to struggle to, uh, to be able to stay inside that organization and help them get there on the journey. Yeah. Yeah. Um, cause I, I think the idea with that too, is it, it, there's this lie that we tell ourselves, or maybe there's some self-deception in the fact that we don't, if we're looking at numbers and for tracking numbers, there's risk there, right? Because it's like my football coach used to say, the eye in the sky doesn't lie, right? So anything that's on videotape, <laughs> you know, when we watch the tape, we're going to know. And I think it's the same thing with the numbers. But I think the key there is that accountability is good, right? Being able to track is really, really important. And again, when you buy outside services, I think the incentive is there also, um, you know, so often if I'm just the fox watching the hen house, it's it's different than if I go outside and am asking somebody else to watch me watch the hen house. I don't know if that's a great analogy, but hopefully you get what I'm saying. Right. Is that outside perspective helps? It's not. It's, it's never about the money. OK, because yeah. here's the thing. So one of our targets is if somebody fits our ICP and they're hiring a salesperson, whatever that base salary might be, we'll just say 50K plus yeah. overhead benefits, et cetera. What are the statistical odds that that rep ends up succeeding one year from now? And so we'll just say, let's say we charge them $5,000 a month to make a nice round number here. They already plan because they literally have a job post and they already plan on investing $60,000 into try to bring in revenue. And they're going to do it by trying to hire somebody that they probably don't have the best interview process as an organization if they're an SMB for sure. They're not sure exactly how they're going to train them on pure sales abilities. They're probably not going to arm them with the best sales technologies, but they'll make that higher over and over and over again at about a 30% success rate because they know what it is and they feel they know how to do it. Now we could sit here and debate whether they know how to do it successfully. When they bring in someone like us that's talking rev gen and this stuff's modern, it's a different approach and you're held to a higher standard being on the outside than the inside. They'll give that guy who they paid $60,000, they'll give him a year to sit around and maybe not produce hoping for the next best thing, right? As an outside agency or organization, you need to be performing really quickly. And so one of the things that we talk about inside of uh, quantum is whether the client's being accountable to themselves or not, right? Because there are pieces they're supposed to be doing in these projects. We're going to go above and beyond, go the extra mile, which is one of our core values because at the end of the day, whether it's them not getting the projects done or us, they really don't care. If they don't see the results, they're going to cancel your services. And then that doesn't help you. And it's not going to make you feel any better to sleep at night when you say, well, it was their person that didn't keep getting the projects done, right? So we always talk about a concept of over-promise and over-deliver, right? And I think that's so key when you're an outside organization and making it successful and then having a really good process that they know up front what the expectations of both sides are, what the timelines are, and what the expected results are, and then tracking those. And again, I think we're unique in the fact that most organizations won't put themselves on the chopping block 
and put those numbers out there because they're afraid of what if they don't perform and they don't produce. If I believe in what I'm doing that much, I actually want to show that ROI because then six, eight months from now, when maybe there's a tough conversation to be had with you to me or whatever, we're having a bad day with each other, something happens. I can say, no, hold on. When we looked at the KPIs eight months ago, here's where you were. Here's where you are today. Yeah, that is really cool. And, you know, the month to month component, too, I, I think is so important because, um, again, it, it really helps with incentive. We, you know, we do the same thing. Right. So we always have the incentive where we, we got to perform. And, and if, if we're not or even if we are and, and you decide your business needs something else, no harm, no foul. Right. We're betting on ourselves. Um, and I really like that element of, of what you guys do. Uh, so let's talk about, um, I couldn't help but notice on LinkedIn that, uh, you started quantum business solutions in February of 2020, mm -hmm. which is a very interesting time to start a business given what, uh, was happening in the world. So what was that like? Well, it, you know, it really wasn't COVID that threw me. It was, um, it was more of a, a previous agreement. I had signed a non-compete situation, so I don't talk a lot about it, but, that's when I went and ran a, a, an office technology company for a period of time there. So, yeah, but I'll tell you it, what I do remember is thinking, okay, I finally made the jump. <laughs> and then it, I mean, cause I think I, I left my job as an executive on like February 9th or something, 2020. It wasn't 30 days later. We're shutting down the whole country. I'm like, man, that's tough. <laughs> right? And so, um, but in hindsight, you know, everything has its its spot and its purpose in your life and you learn and you build relationships at different points. And what I like, I don't remember who, who gave me this saying, but someone said, stop trying to be a prize fighter without ever getting hit in the face. Mm. You can't train to become the world champion without learning how to take a hit in the face. Yeah. And I tell people often when they ask about entrepreneurship and business and stuff is sometimes it's less about the blows you can deliver. And it's more about how much you can hang in the pocket. And I'm a sports guy, but there's a, there's a huge, huge, huge difference between a hall of fame quarterback that can sit there that extra half a second knowing who, and, and we can almost all physically feel that anxiety in our stomach right now, the thought of our arms in the air to throw. And there's a 320 pound guy that's really big, strong and athletic sprinting at us to just absolutely demolish us. But if we move or flinch or get off the back foot or whatever, and it don't deliver the ball, right. We throw interceptions versus touchdowns and that just hanging in the pocket, hanging in the pocket. And I think we all can kind of feel that. That's why I use the analogy. That's what business feels like sometimes. Sometimes you're just hanging in the pocket. You're hanging in the pocket. And some of the guys I really do appreciate on LinkedIn, they're like, half of the game in business is staying alive. Yeah. And the longer you stay alive, hard work meets preparation. You're going to find some luck, right? And opportunities come your way. And you're always just a couple of yeses away from an entirely different life. And so that's another thing I tell people often that are like afraid is, you know, What's something you love? If you were to go do that, you're probably truly just a few yeses, maybe 10 at the most from absolutely changing your life. Yeah. So um, let's talk about that specifically when it comes to quantum business solutions, right? So you, you started this business. When was a moment where you were just hanging on 
and uh, something really cool happened, right? Or you broke through to like another level. Um, Cause you know, when I think back on my career, I mean, I've never started a business, right? But um, there's definitely been those moments where I was hanging on and then, you know, something good happened. And, and it's kind of like, you're just, you're jumping from, you know, lily pad to lily pad, uh, so to speak. Yeah. Well, <laughs> if you're growing and scaling, it kind of feels like you're always just hanging on for the next <laughs> level, right? I mean, because, yeah. because the, the better you do, the more you hire people and it, it kind of depends on how aggressive of an entrepreneur you are too, right? Like I'm okay living right there on the edge. I, because I think that's how you scale the fastest. And that's why a lot of companies who end up being multi-billion dollar companies, they lost money truly the first 10 years. And all of a sudden they're worth a trillion dollars or whatever, because they kept playing the edge. Now they were sometimes doing that with other people's money, not their own. That's the difference. Yeah. There's, there's definitely a temptation to hit a certain income level and then relax. And I don't let myself get to that. Right. And so um, I would say some of the breakthroughs are really the relationships and you, you have to enjoy those small wins, like appreciate the clients that are taking the risk on you. A, a saying that I heard that was so powerful to me was the first people that do business with you, those people believe in you. The second group that does business with you, those people believe in your company and the third group believes in what you're doing. And so I feel like I owe it to people that have believed in essentially me and my abilities and that even maybe if I don't have everything figured out, I'll go get it figured out for them and make it happen. And so um, that's something I take pretty serious, right? And so when you're jumping to lily pad to lily pad, you're always just remembering because even even after you got yeses, you're still 10 yeses away from a whole new world. Like if your organization as well as you guys are doing, if you guys got 10 of the right yeses, 10 companies came to you today that were just like fortune 100 and said, you're going to be our guys. We're going to pay you $20,000 a month to do our LinkedIn consulting to us. And you got 10 of those. Wouldn't that change things? Like mm-hmm. everybody is 10 yeses away from another level. Yeah. <laughs> That's very cool. Um, what, what an interesting way to look at it. Now you said something there that I have to know more about is, um, not get you know reaching a certain level of income or revenue level and you know you don't let that um hinder your drive how do you do that <laughs> well this would be a little theoretical but it's a it's a, a kind of a little fable i guess i created a, a few months ago so in life there's hills and there's mountains and Anybody can get to the top of the hill if they choose to. The hill's slope isn't, you know, at the greatest grade, right? So you you can walk up and if you just keep walking one foot in front of the other, maybe even trot if you want, you can kind of get to the top of the hill. And the only thing that keeps people from getting to the top of the hill is if they decide to take a rest and they just get complacent and comfortable. And the hill to me is like, I've got a nice job working for somebody in a a big corporation or whatever, maybe I'm making hundred to 250, 300 grand a year. Let's just say that. So I can go on a vacation. Maybe I have a nice family dynamic going on. Um, you know, a few other things I can, I can go out to eat if I want, I can do all these things. I had a nice car, but I know that I'm not really reaching my full potential. I know I'm not really risking. Right. And you don't have to start a company to be a risk taker. Like people that are following me on a 
entrepreneurial journey, those initial people, especially they're risk takers, right? Like, because they all took pay cuts to follow me and believe in our vision, which is just unbelievable. Like I appreciate them so much. And when you get to the top of the hill, what's interesting is the view is pretty nice, but you can kind of see the mountain from there, the top of the mountain. The only way to go up the mountain sometimes is you have to walk down the hill into the valley and then you got to go up the mountain. The difference is the mountain is steep. You might get up a point. You got to come back down because you can't go any further. You're hanging on. If you've ever seen like people that climb mountains or cliffs, they'll use like their fingertips. They're holding on by their fingertips, literally, right? Like world-class guys that would, um, uh, would be climbing like literally the face of a cliff. And there's, there's all kinds of things going on there. There's wild animals. I mean, it's snow. There's a lot of stuff happening on that mountain. And sometimes when you're down in that, in that valley and you're not quite back up to where the top of the hill was, you're like, why didn't I just stay on that hill? Because it takes a long time to go down the hill. And at first, when you start walking down the hill, you're pretty excited because you just see the top of the mountain. You don't even see how tough the terrain's going to be at the base of the mountain or halfway up the mountain. And so you're excited. Well, as you start to go further down the hill and the top of the hill looks better and better because things are getting more difficult. And then you finally get to where, okay, now I've even put myself in the position to actually climb the mountain. That's when people like, you know, they've quit their job. They maybe have taken three months to get it all figured out. Now they're climbing. It's really hard there. And I think a lot of people go, you know what? I'd do anything to get back on that hill now, or can I just rest here? And then there's an elite group of people that through the hunger and the starvation and the wild animals and all the things they're going to keep going because they know if they can get to the top of the mountain now, it's going to be like the best views, but it's really, really hard. And so I think your question was, you know, where do you get complacent and kind of tell me about that is, you know, like for me, I've used retirement money. I've refinanced homes. I've sold homes. I've had to fight, you know, non-compete stuff, all kinds of things that there's just days you're sitting there in your bed and you're like, man, this is just not comfortable. But that, <laughs> but that vision and that passion and that excitement of knowing what you can bring in your gift to the world and what that's going to do to help others, that's what keeps you going, right? Because I always tell everybody, everyone on my team right now, including myself, we could all probably go make more money working for somebody else this exact moment. I tell them that all the time. They know that. But you only get so many opportunities in life to do something that's really game changing. Yeah. Did that answer your question? It was a ramble, but it was, I think it was. No, a- it did. I think it, it's, it, it's that perspective of, you know, always looking for what's next. Again, I think it gets back to that curiosity, right? And when I say what's next, it, it's more so just what's right in front of me, right? Focusing on what's right in front of me. Like I have a dream, I have a goal, but I can't look way out. I can't look at the mountaintop. I got to look at, you know, that next rock that I'm going to grab onto. Um, and, you know, a lot of this is faith, right? You're, you're having faith and, and you're believing and uh, being resolute to not um, give in to the unknown, right? Or, or to the complacency of just, I'm just going to rest, right? I've achieved. It's okay. I, I really like what you said. And I think the other thing is, um, life's too short not to enjoy what you're doing. And so, yeah, there's always more money. There's always you know, going to be these things that get dangled in front of you. But what's more important, and you said this early on in our conversation, which is um, you wanted to be true to the path um, and have it not be about 
anything other than that, you know, and I think that's uh, being true to yourself is it's a cliche, but I, I think what you just described is and, and what you're living is that. Um, so I think it was very cool. Uh, so let's pivot and talk about what you like to do in your free time. Yeah. One, one other thing on that, you know, that I'll, yeah. that I'll, I'll kind of add is there's a reason that like when the Navy SEALs train, they make them stay awake. So they're really tired. They're really hungry. They're uncomfortable. So then anything after that doesn't really feel like it's too bad. Yeah. And I feel like as an entrepreneur, you're basically doing that to yourself, right? As a, if you want to really go mm-hmm. and it's tough because sometimes you're like, this is like almost self-inflicted. Like I don't have to do this. If I want to, I could just go back at another job, make hundreds of thousands of dollars a year working for someone else. And, but when you're older and, and you're looking back, you don't want to leave all that on the table. So um, what do I do for fun? Well, uh, believe it or not, I'm a hot yoga instructor. So that's kind of fun and interesting. Uh, I, I love to boat or, or be around a pool. Like I, I love water, love hanging out with my, with my daughters and, and my family. That's always fun. Friends, of course. I'm a huge learner. So, uh, you know, last year I did 47 books. I was a little mm. upset. I was trying to get to 52. But, you know, that doesn't even include everything uh, for like, we all have smart TVs now. So I don't really watch TV. What I watch on TV is I put YouTube on and then I put videos about sales automation, marketing, and that's what I watch in the background. Sometimes my family's a little annoyed with that. Um, and I can't blame them, but I, I literally cannot get like enough, right? Like I'm to the point where I'm like, what else can I search on YouTube that I haven't seen? And I know there's millions of videos, but I'm just like starting to wonder where they all are. Because I've tried to search every guru. I've tried to search all these topics. You know, it's like, I think I've already seen that one, you know. But um, back to your point is what I really like to do is just learn and be curious and have a better understanding of not just business, but of life in general. And I'm, I'm not afraid to be a lot different than other people. That doesn't bother me. And so that leads you down, you know, exploring all different kinds of things in the world and just be an explorer and, and back to almost your curiosity. Like I want to know a lot of things. And when it's all said and done, I want to think I lived a very full life and I impacted just tons of people personally and professionally. Um, I'm a natural, I think, coach or mentor, sometimes unsolicited. Right. But uh, I love to help people where I can. And so that's kind of what I do for fun. So it, might sound kind of boring, but it's not a lot different than what I, I just, I kind of, everything's blended to me because work's fun and fun can be in work, especially with the way that the world's set up today. Work doesn't have to be so serious and fun doesn't all have to be, you know, just fun and leaving work behind. It's like, I believe in a blend. Yeah. I couldn't agree more. Uh, I think that blend, you know, people talk about work-life balance and, and, um, I think it's more about work-life blend. I actually really like that word blend because the, the two are intertwined and have to be intertwined to some degree, right? You just can't let one, um, you know, obviously prioritization is very, very important and staying true to that. But I couldn't agree more, man. It's it's uh, the two things definitely are very related, especially because the principles I live by in my personal life, I should also be living by in my business life, right? Yeah. And so, you know, a lot of times if I'm doing the right things and living the right way, it all does kind of uh, blend together. So, well, Sean, this has been great. I've really enjoyed it. What's the best way for people to uh, find you, to follow you? Yeah, absolutely. So I'll just drop my personal cell phone number if you ever want to talk is 712 712- 
389-4639. And my email address is Sean, S-H-A-W-N, at thequantumweep.business. Otherwise, of course, you can always find me on LinkedIn. And I got one little story here that's kind of interesting. Yeah, yeah. I want to hear it. The former uh, international president of Starbucks actually did this exact thing that I just did on a podcast. I think it was Ed Milet's podcast. And I actually reached out to him and this guy met with me. He's like 77, but he helped grow Starbucks. Uh, so it was Howard Behar and Howard Schultz, right? Howard Schultz, CEO. Yeah. Behar was like number two. So it was cool. I got to meet with them and it all happened because right in the middle of the podcast, he just dropped it out there. He said only what was amazing to me is out of all the millions of listeners to Ed Milet's podcast, this is a game changer for people that are on here. This is how you go from white belt to black belt. Only yeah. about 150 people actually reached out to him to take advantage of that. So I thought that was super interesting. So I'm here. I'd love to help your business. Take advantage of it. I'll, I'll talk to anybody for free once for sure and, and go from there. That's very cool. Yeah, you're the first person that, that you know, since I've been doing this that uh, put their cell phone out there. And I think that is very cool, especially that, you know, when when uh, Howard did it, you jumped on it. And um, that's what we got to do. You know, uh, that's how you climb the mountain. So thanks so much, Sean. This has been great. Look forward to staying in touch. All right. Appreciate it, buddy. Thank you so much. Yep. Thanks again for listening to today's episode of Business Black Belts. Should you want to see more content on both the show, marketing, and business in general, feel free to check out my LinkedIn. Thanks.